got 75 with the 80. It's the market report. What do we do? We report on the market. Well, what are we reporting on? We're going to tell you what's happened, what's been done so far. That's what we do. I like that. What's been done so far, that's what we do. I'm RJ Bell. Steve Fezzik, in my opinion, the most, the highest acumen reader of the market in sports betting, two time super contest champion. I remember there was some kind of documentary about 10 years ago. It said Steve Fezzik might not, he's a good handicapper. He might be a great handicapper, but he's the best better in the world. You remember that? I'm sure you got that written in, um, like in Stitch somewhere. <laughs> yes. You remember that? Yes. What was that documentary? I'm trying to remember what the context was and who. It, it was a do- yeah, I don't remember yeah. either, but I remember that. Life on the Line was the name of the documentary. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, so during the Super Bowl. Okay. What? Well, like 10 years ago, though. Mm-hmm. It's the Packers Super Bowl. Oh, thanks for when they beat the Steelers. Thanks for reminding me. Or, or was it? You were chunky back then, Fez. Look at that. You've—I mean, you have a lot. You were chunkier ten years ago. That's—that's two thirty-five, Fez. Right I got to be honest with you. That's about the least you're going to see someone age in ten years. <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, it's like a yeah. little bit. That's pretty damn good. All right, Mackenzie. On the other hand, no, Mackenzie looks good. He looks good. Mackenzie. He looks. Se- he looks seasoned. Mm. I mean, he looks almost like he could be a professor hitting on the younger girls at this point. That really, you think about it, Mackenzie. That was another life for you that you just took a left instead of a right. You don't, you don't know how right you are. <laughs> no, I do. I do. <laughs> Thinking of James Conn and the Gambler, and oh, I mean, it would have been like lawsuits. It would have Is been that Lauren Bacall was his. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. Well, that's a good movie. All right. Here's what we do. Fez tells you the way what's happened so far. He also tells you what he thinks is going to happen. Now, because I'm me, they had to start and did what six games without me. All right. Yes. Those are going to be the first six. I'm bringing it in, and then we're going to record after that. It's about 25 minutes. So if you miss RJ, just crack a few jokes. It won't be as funny as me. But, you know, there you go. And at any, you know, Fez, what we should do is just anytime I'm not on for whatever reason, we could just do like something like this. Just every five minutes, almost like a public service announcement. And it would be something. And again, it wouldn't have to be the same thing every time. But it could be something like this. And RJ, we trust you. Yeah, we get money. on them, baby. Here we go. Let's get it. Tuition paid. Yeah, that's all. And then it's like in game 222, 223, and then just continue. Mm. It's, I'm going to leave that up to you. You Are you leaning one way or the other? Like of doing that or not? I'm going to have to think about ah, that. That's good. I take it under advisement. Yes. All right, so I'm going to introduce then, we're throwing into this game, they're going in rotation order, and you'll hear back from me in about 25 minutes. Enjoy. Thursday night football. Last week, week four, we had one of the most interesting Thursday night situations with Cincinnati hosting Miami. We have another interesting game here, Indianapolis Colts at the Denver Broncos. Currently, the Denver Broncos are laying three and a half, hosting the Colts. All right, so... Last week, this line was two and a half, opened up on Sunday at three, and since then, all the money on Denver up to three and a half, a bunch going on in this game. I can't help but think perhaps there's a little residual effect from the Miami-Cincinnati line move because, frankly, this line move has exactly paralleled the line move we saw one week ago on the uh, Miami-Cincinnati game. Now, 
There's a key injury to Indianapolis, Jonathan Taylor. We don't know if he's going to play. He is certainly worth a point by himself, not a point through the three, however. Um, But what's interesting to me is that he's not the only running back that's injured. We've got Denver's starting running back, Williams, out. And Denver's number two string, Gordon, Melvin Gordon, has got fumbleitis, and he actually got benched in the game last week against the Raiders. So Denver was serious running back injuries as well. Frankly, I'm surprised that this line went ahead and moved all the way through the three. I could see it getting to three without Jonathan Taylor. It looks to me like an overreaction with a quick power move, and part of that could be because of the line move on the Cincinnati game last week. Mackenzie, you think that holds water, that um, the Thursday game week four could be impacting a week five line move? I do. I think betters in general are creatures of habit. To see a home favorite push through three two weeks in a row doesn't seem like a coincidence. So I will go ahead and put the stopper on this one, although I will say if there's if it's announced Jonathan Taylor is out for week five, that could push this in the next 10 minutes even further. But this line is saying Jonathan Taylor is not going to play, and ultimately I can't see this line going higher. I will predict that uh, it closes Maybe below three and a half. Now, when I say that, that could mean 3.3, but um, quite the big line move on two teams that I think are, frankly, very comparable in my power ratings, which I'm massaging, of course, right now with these running back injuries. And that was the opposite conclusion that you had last week where you're like, money's going to keep coming in on the Bengals. This is going to close four. By the way, it did close four. Nice job out of you. And even nicer job by the Cincinnati Bengals, who frankly didn't look all that impressive, but um, certainly got the W. I don't know if Miami ran out of um, energy and got fatigued in the fourth quarter, if that was about the two injury. Bottom line, the Bengals do get it done. Next game, the Green Bay Packers are currently laying eight in London versus the New York Giants. Yeah, you know what's interesting about this game is how many of these lines, I looked back on the summer lines, and they're not that far apart. So there's been about four games that have shown significant differences versus what the line was all summer long back in August. And I'll comment on those for summer line on this game. Green Bay was laying seven and a half. Uh, I make these teams seven points apart. I've actually got Green Bay three and a half points better than an average team. The New York Giants three and a half points worse Wanted to ask you, Mackenzie, there's a long trend for the favorite non-Jacksonville games. The favorite has done very well in London. Well, this is a real clear-cut favorite here with Green Bay. Do you think that's what has made this line 8 instead of the 7 where I made it with the power ratings? I do, because it's not the Packers being upgraded after the last couple weeks. I think it's just Jimmy's and Joe's beat, or beat the X's and O's on a neutral site in a London game. We've seen that historically. We saw that with the Vikings. Bet the favorite in a neutral site seems to be the way the market is acting at this point. Yes, and I will. I don't forecast any significant line moves on this game. By the way, the Packers, uh, for number one survivor pick last week, there's been survivor carnage already. If Green Bay had lost, it would have um, just been ugly. So out of 6,000 people, by example, in the Circus Survivor, now just a little over 1,000 remaining. So um, if you entered six times and you only have one survivor pick left as i do <laughs> uh you're doing okay equity wise you're right where you, you you should be expectation wise next game we have the seattle seahawks visiting the saints the saints are five and a half point favorites currently hosting the seahawks so if there's a theme both the london teams 
are playing this week, New Orleans and Minnesota. They want the later in the year bye weeks. I am not sure how that's going to impact these teams. You know, this line went ahead and has really bounced around that it uh, went down initially and then has roared back up. Is that, That's what you're seeing with this, that it got as low as four at right. one point and then back up to five and a half. Very unusual to see it. Look ahead, open four. Now it's all the way back to the look ahead. I think what's going on here is the status of Jameis Winston in that um, Winston, I think there was a feeling that he might not play. And now that the market is more bullish that indeed that Winston will be starting for the Saints. Would that would certainly explain, you know, the line move coming back. If I take a look at the New Orleans Saints right now, uh, I show Andy Dalton being a one point downgrade from Jameis Winston. And that's a somewhat of a compromise, Winston. If you would have asked me that early in the year, I would have said a two point downgrade. Would you agree with the my ratings on those two quarterbacks right now? I would. I uh, I'm curious though. It seems like Andy Dalton did pretty well, better than expectations. Is that a little tighter gap between the two at this point because of Andy Dalton's performance? Yeah, that's a good point because I really think I've, I've got Dalton minus two and a half in my my rating. So that's a, he's a very good backup quarterback. I'm going to go ahead and make that change and make Dalton a minus two and upgrade him by half a point because of his performance in London. If you missed the London game, I think it emphasizes how important the three is because you could have bet on the Vikings and one, could have bet on the Saints and one. That actually closed four and a half at a few spots, and it shows the value of the standalone game. Do you think there's that many pros that were up at 6 a.m.? Um, or even that many books that were open. Well, the, you know, the South Point's open 24-7, but I saw four and a half pop up at the South Point and at one other book, a Circa, actually, which everyone has access to. So That's funny. I was going to ask you, I saw it move from three and a half to four and a half. Don't ask me why. I was up all kinds of hours Saturday night. I'm like, Alvin Kamara being officially ruled out, I didn't expect him to play. That can't be a worth a point through three and a half to four and a half, but you don't think it's that. You think it's market sentiment. I think, yes, and I think anyone that was on top of their game played the Vikings already, um, you know, laying it. And and frankly, I think there was a natural reaction when I hit three and a half. If you like the dog at, at 1 a.m. or midnight or whenever you went to sleep on Saturday night saying, you know what, even if it goes to four, I don't want to wake up early in the morning or my guys who are working for me don't want to wake up. If, if I'm going to bet the Saints, I'm going to go ahead and just pop in a bet before I go to sleep, close enough, if you will. And uh, so maybe a little bit of a um, uh, business decision by the, the the pros who are going to play back in that game or were waiting to play on the Saints to say, I'll just take whatever the best number is before I go to sleep on Saturday night so I don't have to worry about ruining my sleep cycle all day Sunday. Interesting. So Sunday morning, the people that wake up to watch the game and bet it, not exactly as sharp as the professionals going to sleep the night before. Yeah, all public money then wagering on the favorite, pushing it even higher, and the public gets shredded, laying the three and a half and the four, getting to the party too late. Yes. These are the type of insights I can't get anywhere else. Love it. Keep it going. Next game, Jaguars, minus seven, minus 20, hosting the Texans. Yeah, so the Jacksonville Jaguars, this this is one of the first big moves versus the summer where the line was minus four. Uh, we knew Houston would stink. They do stink. Their rating hasn't been changed much. I've upgraded Jacksonville by three and a half points. I got to be honest with this. I thought about not adjusting the Jacksonville number based upon their game in the rain. But uh, ultimately, I said, you know, all the fumbles um, by Trevor Lawrence 
concerning, not taking care of the ball, um, adverse conditions, team not quite ready to go in those conditions. So I did ultimately lower them half a point. I make this game eight, so not a lot of value. I don't think there's going to be a lot of subsequent movement. It is interesting. You know, part of this is whenever I see a line go from seven to seven and a half, I think it's more people are laying the seven. And also, I think it's the books looking at this and saying, ah, oh, they're teasing it also. They're certain we're just going to get hammered with teasers if we stay at seven. Another reason to rush to seven and a half and at least charge the teaser players, you know, a little more. Although there are some out there that would rather that are following the Wong teasers to the letter. And they're like, oh, I don't want to tease a seven, but I'll tease a, se- a minus seven and a half, which is kind of curious because obviously in any one game, it's better to tease the minus seven. So if you see a seven moving to seven and a half, the one tip I'll give you is that find a few books that still have seven and tease that down to the minus one. And that was th- this game certainly qualified. It's kind of like how there's all those Tom Brady as an underdog, Patrick Mahomes as an underdog trends. So that line moves from minus one to pick them to plus one. And all the Chiefs players, hey, I got a great trend now. Mahomes is a plus un- underdog. you rather get the better number. It doesn't really matter if it fits into your narrow trend. <laughs> yes, exactly. So it's almost like saying if you had a, a trend where Mahomes is really good at like minus two uh, to, or minus two and a half, and you're like, well, I can't play him at pick. I got to <laughs> right. wait for them to go to minus two, and then it's even better, right? So, um, boy, my goodness. We'll talk about Kansas City um, you know, during the week, but Mahomes just looking tremendous. He breaks all the rules— uh, several plays, just attempts to do things that no other quarterback can do, and he's successful seemingly on two-thirds of them. Just amazing. Number one in QBR again this year, Pat Mahomes. Next game, Josh Allen, number two in QBR, laying 14 points. His Buffalo Bills are hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, so this line, look at last week, was 13, and it certainly has gone up here to the 14. That is, um, I don't think it's about the Pittsburgh quarterback change. I think it, it would be... Does it matter if Trubisky was going to start this game? Do you think we get the same line? Yes. I think this is downgrade with the Steelers in general for losing to the Jets, not downgrade for Pickett. That's my take on it. Very good. You know, this is a 1-3 and straight-up team against a 3-1 and straight-up team. I don't know, McKenzie, I've, I've read that this is a very good trend to, to back the 1-3 and straight-up team. Have you had a chance to research this yet? Not yet. Give me five minutes. I'll be on it. Okay, we've got we've got two qualifiers. Uh, Las Vegas, Kansas City qualifies as well. So we're going to circle back when we do the Monday night game, and we'll talk about that that trend. The idea being, if you're one and four, your season is donezo, and so you have a complete sense of urgency. I did want to comment on this game. You know, I think that the public, not the public, I think the pros are going to be attracted by the points, and here's why. So Buffalo just played. What was it, 128 degrees, something like that, in um, the war against Miami. And then Baltimore comes down. It's a slugfest, and Buffalo is trailing in that game as well and has to come all the way back. A ton of energy that Buffalo certainly had to, um, their offense had to give out because it was the offense that was on the field the whole game against Miami, down double digits in both games. I could see them exhaling perhaps um, – going through the motions, winning and not covering this game. So I could only look towards uh, Pittsburgh because of that. So, Fez, you're forecasting this will not hit Bills minus 14 and a half. I am. And well, let me asterisk that. It would not surprise me if it stayed 14 through the midweek and then we could go ahead and 
get the plus 14 and a half on certain things such as contest lines or um, certainly on parlay cards. So if you're looking for Pittsburgh at the zenith, I think a 14 and a half on some parlay cards here. Um, if you're in a jurisdiction that has printed parlay cards like we have here in Las Vegas, might be as good as it gets on Pittsburgh. We'll, we'll, we'll keep it monitor, monitor on it. Next game, the Tampa Bay Bucks are eight and a half point favorites hosting the Falcons. Very interesting. This is a, by the way, the last game on Buffalo was a huge mover during the summer. This line had been nine and a half, so all the way up to 14. Well, here's a line that's come down. Tampa Bay, 11 and a half, now um, has dropped by a field goal. And I think that that makes a lot of sense. Atlanta, much better than advertised or expected, right? And certainly competitive at two and two. Uh, Atlanta, the only team in the NFL, 4-0, I believe, against the spread. Is that right, McKenzie? Do you know, is anyone else 4-0? Are the Nobody else. They are the only ones, 4-0. Eagles fail against Detroit when the Lions get their fourth quarter backdoor cover, right? That that was the Eagles fail, I believe. Yep, Dolphins lost on Thursday, to, and their streak, Atlanta's the only one. Very good. And, you know, Tampa, it's, a, it's, it's fascinating because they— they had gotten like one touchdown in three straight games from their offense. And then their offense finally looked capable, but um, Mahomes and company just absolutely shredded them. I did lower Tampa Bay's power rating by a half. Atlanta was fortunate in their win against Cleveland. Cleveland also came in uh, decimated on the D-line, so Atlanta caught a break with you know Cleveland's two best linemen being out, um, Clowney and Miles Garrett. Um, so I didn't want to upgrade Atlanta all that much, especially because they didn't win the stats. In fact, I did not upgrade Atlanta. Um, I make the game eight as far as which way this line goes. You know, whenever a team's 4-0 and against the spread, I think that um, even the public takes notice at that point. And perhaps, you know, maybe Atlanta's just flying under the radar. What do you think, McKenzie? I thought, I thought Atlanta was getting plenty of credit when that line moved from three to one to pick them in some spots versus the Browns, so... It seems like the cat is out of the hat. It seems like a lot of people like the Falcons. Yeah, perfect storm with the injuries with Cleveland as well, the car accident, et cetera, last week. We'll see. We'll see what um, if Atlanta's going to continue to get um, support. Like a cool drink after a long trek through the desert. I'm R.J. Bell. Fez is still here. A little older, a little wiser. What's it been, three hours? A little thinner. <laughs> a little thinner. Well, really, though, let's be honest. You've pretty much given up. Yeah, I'm, at, weight loss I'm at 200, and Wishnev's at 204. His magic number's four pounds. Any combination of Fez weight gain or Wishnev weight loss. you put on some weight, haven't you? I, I got down to 196, and then the body I didn't think your like, body's telling you. You're you not told me it. I was looking gaunt. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you you, you think, look a lot better right you're now. Like, you're, you're bringing low energy. You're like 75. So I, I think you were just low sugar pasta, that day. Had some pasta, yeah. yes. That's what I'm saying. You're not. Sp- here's the funny part. You know when everyone says you don't see fat old people? I agree with that. If you're overweight by even 20 pounds, it's hard to live long. Mm-hmm. You're a former actuary. You know that. Sure. But you know what else happens? Once you get a certain age, you've got to try to keep weight on. Now, I'm not saying you're that age. I'm saying once you hit like 80 and you're still going, a lot of times they, the thyroid gets going or they take thyroid medicine. So in a weird way, I don't think 175 would suit you. Right, because if something goes wrong and you have a rapid weight loss and you weigh 220, then you're down to 190 and you're okay. But if you start at 180 and you go down to 150, now you're dying. No one's one's looking at you saying right now, and you're right around 200. Yeah. And how tall are you? Six foot. So 5'11 and a half. No, I've never heard someone that said they were six, six foot that are I'm actually six, six foot. Three with hair. <laughs> oh, that's true with your hair. Now, but it seems to me that at your weight, no, right now, no one's going to say that guy's heavy. 
You know how they say describe? They're going to say that guy who doesn't treat the help too well. Like they might say that. Or the guy with the big bushy hair. They're not going to say the fat guy. No. They're not. Not anymore. I don't think they were before, but they're certainly not now. I, t- I tell you so what. why lose any weight? Why would you even want to other than a stupid bat? Well, it's not stupid. It's $9,000. Oh, it's, so that's it's gone. Best. It's a sunk cost. No, it's not. That sunk cost implies you're 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 you're, 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 he's been, you're he's destined been, to lose. He's been, yes, he's been like the turn. How's this sound? I'm one oh, injury away. I, I just need him to get injured. Sound? What odds would you give me if I want to bet on Wishnev? I don't want to. It's off uh, the board. It, no, it's off the board. But he let's could say, clinch tomorrow. Uh, that's my point. I'm one Dunkin' I Donuts binge away from losing. You know what I would? You know what it would take me to bet you? Hmm. I'm being serious. I would need fifty to one before I even think about it. All right. But what would you put it at? I'm I'm not. It's off the board. It's, exactly. It's, I'm, I'm not going to let Kenzie. What would you put it at? When would you bet Fez? Forty to one. Nope, not far off. I'll book you at forty to one. How much do you want to bet? You got to bet a hundred. Uh, four thousand. Yeah, hundred to win four thousand. I need fifty to one. <laughs> I find your lack of faith in the force. But I have a fa- Let me finish. I find your lack of faith in the force disturbing. <laughs> the force? What's that? The Fez force. Oh, that's a that's a quote. Please no. <laughs> this is what I'll say. This is what I'll say. I have my loyalty to the math, to the numbers, to the mu- well, actually my pocketbook. That's what my loyalty's to. And yours is too, because I don't see you wanting to bet. All right. Just um now one question. He's going to win by October 31st, even if you fight him off. Now, how long is that after the bet was made? It's, we made the bet on May 5th. Okay. So so almost— so Five months. Yeah. What odds would you have given that he could beat you within five months? Like a 1,000 to 1? Would have bet my home. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So this shows you things that happen—there's unli- unlikely things that happen that we can't see. Even a guy like you that's that why Atlanta, tells the future. That, that's why Atlanta was not 99.6% to win the Super Bowl against New England. Yeah, you got to adjust some of these odds. Yeah, and we right. talk about that in the prior pod, which is worth talking about. I think it was by far our best one, in which we recapped last weekend. We went, I mean, I think, Mackenzie, well, I don't think there was like a, a, any fat on it. None. I thought it was good, and it went, it went a while, like went an hour and some change. How long to go? About 90 minutes, yeah. Yeah, it was a nice one. We're going to make this one quicker. Let's go to the next game, Fez. All right, let's go. Chicago at Minnesota. Look-ahead line was 6.5. Now, this got hit last week on the look-ahead. Went up to 7. And what's remarkable, this line has not budged. It's been Vikings minus 7 um, at the opener, and it stayed minus 7. I actually, for power ratings, I make this game 8.5. But I understand. So let's make sure we get it's Chicago, Minnesota, in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And like you said, the look ahead went from, uh, huh, this doesn't six and a half. Well, does it? Six and a half to seven. Now that's a, that's a big, big like move. 12 cent kind of move. And then there was a, it's interesting, there was two look aheads that both moved, one at Bet Online and one at the Superbook, right? Right. So the okay. sharp, the pro well, one move since. said, I'll lay the six and a half. At seven, not not interested. Yeah. All right, so this is yeah, this is an example where people say, "Look ahead." What does it matter? Well, the whole freaking world is at seven because the look ahead was at seven. Uh, if it would have opened six and a half in the world opener, probably moves to seven fairly yes. quickly. But in in this case, it never did. Yes, and the one aspect of this game that's fascinating to me is obviously 
Two teams played in London last week, and they're wheeling back and playing this week. So you've got Minnesota. And that was a choice. That was it. Exactly. So normally I could see the disgruntled Viking no players. No like, like, wow, league's doing me no favors, making me play back-to-backs after London. But maybe the spot. players are still mad. It's the front office at the side. That's the, that's the thing. And so this, I would argue that this price reflects that Minnesota is in a bad spot, it only being seven, because, frankly, I make this but game. It, but it went up. I mean, what we're saying here is the line went up from six and a half to seven before this London game was played. Yes. Though they knew at the time they wouldn't have the off week, right? After. But the power ratings say the Vikings should be more than a seven-point favorite. But my point is, I think Minnesota, you have to downgrade them off of that game, I think. Yeah, you know, I, I went back and forth between a zero, keep them the same, or lower them a half a point. They should have lost. It, the, I mean, by all accounts, they should have lost the game. Well, you, the, you Saints did, that, right? you know, the Saints did make a 62-yard field goal. Well, you know, I mean, that's I, and I know they almost I mean, made Tom a second. Tom Dempsey made a sixty-three yarder. I, to be fair, they almost made and a second one. And he was with one. the Saints. They almost made they almost made two of them. Well, so. I mean, let's go one more time. The win percentage here was Minnesota sixty-six to thirty-four in the fourth quarter win share. Okay, that looks good. But then you look at it, and we talked about this on the last pod. In the green zone, they picked up Minnesota ten points of lucky green zone play. And Kirk Cousin in the green zone don't usually go together. It's, it's, it's a good point. I got to be fair. I was actually asleep for two thirds of this game, so I only watched the end game because it started six thirty in the morning. And if you look at the stats, they say it should have been an even game. Kevin Cole, who does other adjustments at PFF, said Minnesota should have lost by eleven. Mm. When he says that Minnesota should have lost by eleven. I'm I'm lowering Minnesota by half, yeah. And thus, the fact that this line went, you know, the seven didn't go to six and a half, meaning this that move from six and a half to seven happened before the game. Mm-hmm. Now the fact that it hasn't even gone down, it tells me there's good support that Minnesota doesn't go below seven here is my guess. I, I agree completely. I, I think that this is going to stay seven. I don't see any movement happening. Next up, Tennessee, Washington. This baby in the summer, pick them. The look-ahead opener, pick them. The look-ahead close, pick them. But then the games got played, and the world opener, Fez? World opener, two and a half for, uh, in favor of Tennessee being the favorite. Yes, and we're sitting at 2.7. Was there anything about the two and a half that got interesting? Uh, it looks like there was a one and a half, and then it went up to three, and then, it, I mean, this looked like a battle. It seems like three has been out there a good bit. Exactly. This is a ping-pong ball between two and a half and three. The, there's one group that's saying two and a half's too light. I'm going to lay it with Tennessee. And there's another group that's clearly coming in and taking plus three the second it pops up on Washington. Okay. And what we're seeing here is, let's see. So let's get this straight. Is The, sec- the third is today, right? The date. Yes, Monday. <laughs> All right, today's Monday. It's too complicated a question. But this doesn't. But this doesn't even have the days of the week, so that's why I had to ask. So Monday it looked like it pretty much settled at two and a half, and there wasn't much action. But there were still some threes early, early. But man, this is fascinating because there was one book circa that was at two. They were kind of making a statement. They were the lowest one Sunday night at about nine p.m., and then they jumped and went to two and a half, then up to three. They were re- so really the world was at three about seven a.m. Monday morning. Yes, and then they all got taken back down to two and a half. But the thing to think of right away is that from the pick'em to now, uh, or from the pick'em to the world open, everyone agrees you got to upgrade Tennessee, 
and you got to downgrade Washington. Exactly. And then there was a feeling of, you know what, maybe this is an overreaction. Maybe Tennessee wasn't as good as we thought against Indianapolis. Doesn't this make sense? And maybe Washington wasn't as bad against Dallas. Is it really worthy of going from pick all the way to three? And now the market's saying, you know what, we got we got ahead of ourselves directionally. We were right. But remember now, you're talking at the market as if it's one entity. It's different people disagreeing. Oh, it's 12 guys all smoking cigars <laughs> in one room that decide. Yeah, but, but, but really, <laughs> yes. it's not. And that's what I'm saying is it's different factions. Yes. There's different factions. And one faction wants to lay two and a half, and a bigger faction, bigger betters, are saying plus three right now was value. Maybe bigger betters, but I also would make the case it it took money to get it from one and a half. I mean, I guess to some degree there was some money spent to even get it to three to start with, and then one buyback brings it to two and a half. And let's be honest, the books rather wouldn't would, don't want to be at three because it sets them up to get middled, right? Exactly. And plus, if the game and that happened on two games last week, by the way, the the the, the books that weren't careful on the Minnesota game, they got crushed because Minnesota was two and a half for a long time, then three, and then three and a half against the Saints. Landstring, same thing happened mm. with the Baltimore game, ping ponged three, 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 three and a half. half, three and a half, three, three, and it lands three. You get that's called getting cited, S I D E D. And the theory is the smart betters are only taking the good number, so you're not winning a lot. Of, not a lot of people are laying three and a half that are betting big money, and a lot of people are not taking three that are betting big money. Exactly. Okay, next game we got Miami at the Jets. Now, Tua, right now, is out, correct? He is out. Okay. Now, Summerline, let's not worry about that. Let's look at the Tua adjustment. Because with the look-aheads, early in the week, Tua wasn't even re-injured, right? Whatever he was last, before the Thursday game, he was playing that game. Right. Line was Miami by six. And I believe a few people took the six and they popped down to five and a half. I agree. When it reopened, it reopened a smidge below three, 2.9. So there's three with some uh, low less juice. So Tua actually goes from five and a half to three with Teddy two gloves as the backup. That seems like too much to me. I have a one and a half point difference between the two. Does that sound right to you? I mean, you're saying it should be four. This line should be four. If the five and a half is right. You're saying the line should be four. Well, we got two things going on. Well, um, yes, because performance-wise, there's no reason to you know, be downgrading the Jets, certainly. So Yeah, so, I mean, if anything, let's think about that. Well, no, so— it, it, we, we would upgrade the Jets from— Which means that's going to bring the line down a little bit, too. So, yeah, so I think we're getting there. Point and a half for the quarterback, change for Miami, five and a half. So what, what kind of Jets adjustment did you make? I brought the Jets up by, one second, half a point. Okay. So let's call that, though. We said it should go to four. It should be three and a half. This Tua is getting, is getting too much. I mean, how do you rationalize three? If five and a half was right, how's three right? It isn't. All right. So three and a half is right. Yeah, so we'll be looking at that Miami line for sure against the Jets as the week progresses. I do think that defense is better than we thought. Uh, and remember, it's... Last year, the defense was the key for Miami, and they almost made the playoffs. And the year before, it was the key, and they almost made the playoffs. It seems like it's even a little bit better. Yes. And we talked about this on the recap show. Next up, Chargers, Herbs, at the Browns. And if we look at the line moves here early, and obviously the summer line isn't as applicable because, I mean, let's be honest, we have a situation where Watson – 
was not there. He wasn't even a consideration. Then he was likely to play. Then he wasn't. Yeah, that's a great point because we're into week five and Watson, we didn't know if he was going to get suspended four weeks or six weeks or 12 weeks. Exactly. So the look ahead was two point favorite for the Chargers. Yes. And it was bet down to one and a half. The world opener was? World opener was three. All right. So what did you see with the movement and such? So and this made sense and pretty much it locked onto the three immediately. Hey, the Chargers, nice performance, covered, upgrade the Chargers. And concerns about Cleveland, yes, they lost to Atlanta, pretty competitive game, but also two best linemen for Cleveland missed against Atlanta, Clowney, and um, uh, Miles Garrett. And so are they going to be ready to but play But remember, that was something Atlanta did a great job of exploiting the question is, is that a repeatable deficiency? It's a great point, Ken. You know, can we I don't see... think you downgrade the Browns very much if if they get their linemen back. I agree. And I gotta be I gotta tell you, like in terms of my power ratings, three comes high on this game. The game's in Cleveland. I wouldn't I will only make this game two. So my numbers didn't agree with moving this game all the way to three, but it's 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 painted three right now. I think it's an overreaction. Well, it's not well, bet online as of the last report we had here that this was 4 p.m. Again, maybe you have the screen in front of you. I don't think you do, but it was two and a half at Bet Online. Ah, so so it's leaking down from the three, and this makes and sense. And Bet Online was at three, and they're the only ones that's moved and, to two and, and a half. And I, if you like the underdog in this game, I think you should take Cleveland plus three right now. It would not surprise me if we don't see a power move on the Browns and this to come back down to two and a half. I think this is an overreaction to the final scores of the weekend. Mackenzie, what are you seeing on the screen? Bookmakers at three even. Mm-hmm. So like two point seven five. Then most of the places are at three. Like all right, so three I get, or three light. All right, so you'd have to take lay one twenty a bookmaker to take the three. Yes, I like plus three minus one ten. I'm gonna lock that in. I'm gonna, I'm gonna personally bet this tonight. Yeah, you know something. Give me a piece of that too, because Mackenzie had Cleveland last week. You're in for a dime. I already bet it before it came on over. All right, at minus one ten or reduced minus one ten. I like the I like the question. No, it's minus one ten. <laughs> oh boy, you just picked that up somehow. I like the question. RJ's like, I got the three. Now I'm going to try to lay under well, minus one ten. Yeah. I mean, what? What? You you got to reduce shot? Multiple I, reduced I, shots? I, I bet it at circa. Uh, why? Because you're getting some kickback. Do I get a kickback? What percentage do they give you at circa? They give me like. Like literally, sounds like a dinner at some point. Oh, 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 one percent, maybe a pickle at their deli. That's good. Yes. <laughs> All right. So what good we're pickle, saying though. here is, in my opinion, you said something quick that I think deserves more time. You said, "Well, the Chargers had an impressive win." Well, we just went over that game. You could almost debate that, that they were lucky. Yes. So if anything, Cleveland was unlucky. Chargers were lucky, and the line was one. At Bet Online, on the look ahead, at one point it was as low as one, and now it's three. Doesn't make any sense. And these it, injuries for Cleveland, that, I've just got what's happened is I've gotten more publicized, but they were there last week. But if anything, we knew do about we know it. that Garrett's out next week? No. So what I'm saying is Cleveland gets healthier. It's a free roll. And Chargers, we don't know because it seems a lot of their guys are out for like Slater, they're out for the year. Yes. Right? So, Mackenzie, how many people are important? Chargers people that are out last week that could be back this week. Could you take a gander? Yeah. All right. So yeah, we're talking but, Keenan Allen. We're talking Bosa. Yeah. yeah. Well, Bosa, I think, is out. They're saying for at least like six yeah, weeks. Yes. I think he's on the he got yep. on the DL. I think. Yes. Um. Okay. We got the Lions at the Patriots. Oh, this is interesting. Dan Campbell against the genius. And let's see, New England. Oh wow, this is crazy. 
The look ahead was New England two. It was bet Detroit down to one. But then comes the reopen, the world opener. Two and a half. Sorry. Two and a half. Who's favored? It, oh, New England. New England. I mean, c- could you imagine Detroit being a road favorite? Who's the quarterback for New England? Oh, that's an interesting point. But Zappy seems like he's at least as good as Hoyer. Yes. I mean, at least. He did. I mean, it seemed. Well, the Hoyer looked good, but he got hurt so fast. So early in the game. Yes. And we know what we got with, with Hoyer. You know, we've got a, a mediocre backup quarterback. Zappy is a complete mystery. Which usually is bad. Usually is bad, yes. I mean, if someone says mystery meat for lunch, it's not good. Mm. It could be Wagyu or, you know, it could be that very expensive stuff you can't even cook very much because the, there's so much fat, <laughs> like the Kobe, the J- Japanese Kobe, but probably not in the mm. stew. Yes. All right. So, but that brings up an interesting point. Right now, Zappy... To because a lot of people were saying physically, Zappy is that how you say his name? Looks a lot so. yeah, Western Kentucky, looks yeah. a lot like Mac Jones. They were like, We can't really? tell the difference, really? which in a way is a real indictment of Mac. They're saying the mm. physical tools are the same between this number 15 pick and this fourth rounder. Mm. What did you think? I thought his arm was a lot I, weaker than Mac Jones. It's it seemed like all that New England was doing was trying to survive the game. I didn't get enough data points on him throwing the ball. You know, it was like Which they're trying maybe to shorten a the sto- game. Maybe there's a story there. Yeah, well, I mean, you're you're a nine-point underdog, you know. I mean, with your second-string quarterback, and now you're with your third-string quarterback, and you've got the lead, you're just trying to hang on, right? So do you think the, the concussion, usually in a week, especially with an older player, and as you mentioned, with the Tua hubbub, I'm not sure. I mean, what's this line? It's, isn't this a line typically that they'd have up come Wednesday? Like, why is this up so early? Now, you nailed it. The legalization of sports betting has changed everything. There are so many lines going on with these different players with their uncertainty that we would typically not even see a Circle number come up. or not even up. Exactly. Circle, $1,000 limiter. We don't even see it till Friday. And then, boom, what the sports books. You know what I think it is, RJ? It used to be no one wanted to stick their neck out and be the first book to put up a number that could be wrong. Mm-hmm. But the sports books are perfectly happy to copy once everyone else has gone. So who's, who's the one that's driving getting – is it the Circas it's, and the bookmakers? I think no, I think it's the FanDuel's and it's the DraftKings. Uh, because they figure their limits are low enough. They're not going to – are their limits low or that you figure they got everyone reduced who's any good? It's the latter. So yeah. they'll take they'll – take, a hundred thousand from Charles Barkley, but they might take eighty-eight dollars from R.J. Bell. Well, I don't know about that. Sorry, Charles. Uh, well, no, hey Chuck, hey, Ch- I like to book Chuck. <laughs> yes, that would be. I don't Get book. I don't book, but I'd make an exception. Mm. All right. Um, let's assume that it's Zappy. Uh, let's say Boston's WCVB five. All right, reports likely to start again in Week Five. He didn't start this time. Now, was that your copy or his or theirs? Copy and pasted. No errors were made by me. Okay. Mm. So I don't know. Do we trust the report because it's so bad? They're local. We know that much. From this Boston. Is, this is fascinating. I've never seen this before. It says Boston's, and it's possessive. So Boston owns, in a way, possesses this station. But then it says WCVB5's, and it's possessive, Josh Brogdeer. So Boston owns WCVB, and Channel 5, that WCVB, owns Brogdeer. I'd like to see his contract. 
I don't think it's legal. Mm. People can't own people, Feds, and corporations <laughs> can't own people. I don't know where they can vote. Apparently, they can vote. You know, there's all kinds of things about the Supreme Court and all that, Citizens United, but I don't think they can own them. I don't. Is he a person of color? No, not Because that this would job. be even more. Yeah, it's a good point. <laughs> all right, Feds, let's assume this is correct, regardless of the questionable possessives. Does that seem right? That, 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 that New England is about an even team. Yes, and in my power ratings, I've got these two teams, 25th and 26th, so dead even in my power ratings, which means I'm interested in, in the lines if I can get three. Let me pose a question to you. Can you hear this? A little bit. All right. <laughs> Mackenzie, can you pick that up on the mic? <laughs> All right. I look at New England, and I think they could have beat Miami. I know it doesn't seem like it. But I think it was a 60-40 type game. It was just a lot of fluky plays. Pittsburgh, they dominated. I mean, it was a tight game score-wise, but they were in control. 17-6, to yep. Against Baltimore, they could have easily won. The turnovers have been a nightmare for them. Down five driving early in the fourth quarter. And in Green Bay, they had a better than 50% chance at various points in the fourth quarter. So in a weird way... They could be 4-0. I mean, it would have taken a lot of luck, but they could be 4-0. They could, and and we're talking about a team that the wise guys have selectively certainly backed. Uh, look no further than, like, the Pittsburgh game where they got steamed on the oh, road yeah. up to minus three, yeah. and then they were, they were, they're were an 11-point dog against Green Bay. Took, the wise guys took the 11, they took the 10 half, they took the 10. Yeah. So And they almost won. Yeah. So I guess, Mackenzie, can you look at, can you stack the four games and look at things like the turnovers and just see an aggregate where they're, where the deceiving scores coming from? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I think that we got to put new, put a pin in New England and think, is it this week? I don't know because I don't want to lay two and a half and have Belichick play a conservative game because it means it's going to be tight. Mm. But I think there's a spot to play. New England in the next couple weeks. Now, let me ask you this real quick. Detroit seems to do amazing as a dog. Now, they've had two games in a row that they were favored. They were favored the week before until the end of the week. Mm-hmm. Either way, being a pick em game is different than being a big dog when you can fight back and cover eight. Is this an example they just don't know how to win as a favorite? That's a great question because fast and loose when they're down big they 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 do well and then they just fell on their face as you know as a significant favorite against Seattle, Seattle. I mean if you look if you look at the offense of Seattle in that game it was one of the best offensive performances of any team this year. First time in NFL history to record a final score of 48-45. It's a unique well, and, it, and it's a real unique number of points. Yes. Right? So, I mean, it just strikes me that that that, that Seattle is not – we never thought Seattle's got a great offense. Against Denver, they didn't step foot into Denver's territory in the second half. Mm. Didn't have one play in their territory, and they put up 48. I mean, Detroit's D is really bad. Really bad. But is maybe a plotting offense with a backup quarterback the one offense that might have trouble? Because if they play – Green Bay and keep the score way down, New England's defense doesn't really, or offense doesn't matter as much, meaning it's going to be low scoring. It's a rock fight. If the if it tries to be, could this be a shootout? It could be. I mean, uh, if you look at Seattle's pet. What's the total? Seattle's penny. I don't have in front of me. Um, uh, what do we got here? Mackenzie, what's the total on this game? Oh, I see it. 48 and a half. Okay. 
Boy. Wow, it's 48 and a half. Am I seeing that right? Or is it 46 and a half? half. 46 and a half. Yeah, it's 46 and a half. Sorry, I just drawn a... No, no, no. So... Doesn't that seem low? That seems high. (laughs) Well, it it matters. Is it going to be a New England game? Or is it going to be a Detroit game? I I guess, you know, the fact that Seattle... Ran all over Detroit. Also, you know that Penny was the mm-hmm. biggest rusher in the league last week. Um, I could certainly see New England having their success. You know, running the ball in this game. Um, I don't know if this is a factor. Is it- New England has only played one home game. Uh-huh. So Detroit's had three home games. So in general, that's about a five points of advantage that you don't really think of. You just think of who they played, but you don't think like Green Bay playing in Tampa was a much easier game though. Tampa could have won, or Tampa lost, though. If that game was in Green Bay, they're laying six or whatever. Yes. And and if you have one extra game, or if it goes from three games to one game because of the even number of games at home, you know, now the question becomes, well, heck, that's going to be what? Like 10 points of, of, of home road disadvantage. Exactly. Okay. Um, I think this is correlated. I think that Detroit could win a low-scoring game, but I think if you like Detroit, you got to go over. I agree with that. Because even if Detroit gets Detroit's out, not holding to New England below 23 points. Well, New England's going to score 20, 20 21, 23, and Detroit can outscore them. Uh, but D- Detroit's not going to win a 17-14 to 14 game. See, I don't know. I think Detroit could win a close—I mean, New England's lost so many close games, mm. and they weren't even going to be in the game if it wasn't for Belichick, in my opinion. So it makes sense. I'm saying if we know Detroit puts up 30— What's the odds that New England puts up? Oh, 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 no, I guess the better way to say it is, now you make an interesting point. Let me see how I want to think about this. It feels like if I, because whenever there's correlation, I think you can start in both directions, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm saying the game goes over. I feel like Detroit wins a, a lot of those games. I agree with that. I think if Detroit covers, I'm not as anxious to say it goes over. I think it's correlated, mm-hmm. but I think it's more correlated that the over leads to a Detroit cover, then a Detroit cover leads to an over. Interesting. Right? Yes. It's a little different question, right? Yes. If there's a ton of points, or if there's a lot of points in this game, and within the spectrum of results and the over, there's going to be times there's 55 points or whatever. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel like Zappi's putting up, you know, 30 or whatever. So, you know, 30 points. Whereas if the final score was like 27 to 10, I could easily see New England win 27 to 10. I agree. I agree. And again, all the correlation has to be is like, well, what, 3% or whatever to overcome the extra VIG, right? So, I mean, I think it's at least, I always think it's more than it is. It's interesting. I think there's something there. But I don't want to, this is a tough place to play. It's not the... The turf, you know, I was. I got doing, a dome team suddenly going to Boston. Yeah. You know what's funny? You know how they say domes are big advantages for the home team. I've been reading some academic studies on temperature, on travel. Okay, just getting ready for you, and <laughs> I want to get you on some bets. Now you're right about the temperature change, by the way. It was more than I thought it was, but they say that a dome actually diminishes home field advantage. Because there's no vagaries of weather. That, like in Buffalo, where sometimes it's whipping wind, like in Pittsburgh, kicking down that end of the field, that, that there's a home field advantage to knowing the way the weather works with the field, to be used to that weather, used to the wind. Think about Wrigley Field. Unique, a great example. Uniqueness of ballparks. Why, you know, Boston, for instance, you know, Yankee Stadium, when it's asymmetrical, the, the grass in Green Bay. The grass in Green Bay. If you have something that's different than everyone else, and let's face it, an indoor dome stadium is loud, that's bad. 
but there's no weather implications whatsoever, and everyone's playing on the same field turf. Yeah, so it's 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 it's, it's like a laboratory setting, mm. but that mean that maybe the crowd's a little louder. But boy, there's a lot of places that have weather and stadium advantages that get mitigated because of the dome. Because all domes are pretty much the same. Even even the angle of the sun, where you yeah. can you can shine it on the opponent. Think about side, the Giants and pitching at, at a certain time. The that's game. Great point. So, yeah. So I never thought of it that yeah, way. I, that's good. All right. So by the way, New England, uh, as we move on here, they have a, they should have an additional four tenths of a win when it comes to fourth quarter win share. But that, that's saying what happens actually on the field. I'm saying what should have happened. They've lost 15 points this year in the green zone. They've lost four and a half points on late down, third and fourth down plays. The kicking, they lost 3.4 points. I can't believe they've only lost two points on turnovers. But okay. So you add it up. It's 25, about 26 points, Fez. Mm. So what 26 points means uh, in the scheme of four games, it's like, what, six points a game, right? Yeah, and it's almost one win. Yeah, so that's interesting. That's interesting. So if they were, they'd be what two and two in theory. Yeah. Okay, with a pretty tough schedule, right? Mm-hmm. All right. I think that's right. They're a little underrated. Okay. Next game, we got. Oh, the Eagles in Arizona. You loved Arizona last week. What was your thinking on that? I I was not betting Arizona on the Super Contest if my life depended on it. But I will say this: I would never have played Seattle. And I was choosing between Seattle and Chicago, or uh, Chicago. Mm. So I, I said, Fez really likes it. And I went with you, so that saved Well, you know, the thing about Arizona was just that, like, on the look ahead, they were actually laying three against Carolina. Last week. So, yeah, so for them to—what possibly could have happened to flip at four points and make the other team—make Carolina favored? All right, so now the summer line in this matchup, Philly was favored by two. The look ahead said four. But by the end of the look ahead, now this is before the action of this weekend, before the game, it got to five and a half. That's a big move for the look ahead. Yes. All right. It opened six, the world opener. What happened then? So it's gotten all the money on the underdog. It's down to four and a half. Wow. All right. I'm seeing five, four and a half. Let's see. The high point. Yeah, five is the current number. Yeah, I see six is the high point and everyone on earth was there. And then it dropped all at once, Fez, like a rocket. So it was a syndicate play from six to five and a half. Yes, and I think what's happened is that the there was serious concerns about Arizona, and the game last week answered many of those concerns. With um, despite throwing a pick six against Carolina, the Arizona defense completely shut down Carolina. Now, how much of this is Arizona? How much of that is Arizona? Is Carolina? Now, what's fascinating here is. This was all all the action up to three, or I'm sorry, up to six and then down to five and a half, all happened Sunday night. So it was like the overnights, they bet boom, boom, boom. And six is a, is a quasi-key number. Yes. Right? So partial key number. It's gotten not, to be a, a more significant number. Because the eight and six went down by down, four. Yes, down 14, score a touchdown, go for two now. Yes, right. late in the game. And some places dropped to five even. So this is, I would say it's fair to say, let's deem this – a Sunday night steam move. That, 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 that we're going to say that we can say whatever you want to say the rest of the week. Sunday night, the pros hit the dog here. Yes, and this shows how the markets have evolved. When would this have happened in previous years? There's only one undefeated team in the NFL, mm-hmm. the Eagles. And here's these guys Sunday night, first thing, let's bet against the undefeated team. It's a great tip about the idea of parity. 
because there's one undefeated team and there's one winless team. Right? After four weeks, you're down to one and one. Mm. Last night, I did a quick study and said, what's the average number of winless and undefeated teams at four weeks into the season? The average was like six if you wow. added the two up. So, I mean, this has been something where you get six or so, and now you got two. I mean, there's a lot of parity. And, and it's true against the spread also, because I know Atlanta is undefeated against the spread. I don't think I don't know if there's another 0-4 or 4-0 out there. That's true. We could, Yeah, I mean, I did notice that. Uh, about Atlanta. Okay, um, let's go to the next game. We got the Raiders at the Chiefs. Ra- oh, oh, we missed Cincinnati, Baltimore. Did we? You no, know, I got to go in rotation order. Wait, wait, but just... I don't. I didn't see. Let me see. Oh, you got it. Okay, let's do that. Cincy at Baltimore, and look ahead. Well, let's talk season because it's interesting to see in the summer. I mean, right. it was Cincy was a one point underdog. So let's say Baltimore was the favor, and then the look ahead was three and a half. And it closed, and, and it stayed three and a half during the look-ahead period. So really, what we're saying is that Baltimore's either been upgraded significantly, or since he downgraded, or some combination. Going through three, like two and a half to three to three and a half. That that's let's say it's two and a half raw points. It's worth an extra point of each one. So we're talking about two and a half, three and a half, four and a half to five points of movement. Between those two teams? No, no, no. Baltimore was always favored. Yeah, Baltimore by one, now they're three and a half. But what I'm saying is mm. if we just talk raw numbers, to go from two and a half to three, you at least oh. add, add one point or a half point of move. No, one point of move because the average line's like, let's think about that. The average line's like six cents and on or off the three 20. is, eight, is it, it, yeah. half a point's 18. So yeah. it's triple. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's fair to say it's been at least four points of movement. Yes. Right? Raw point. Yeah. What have you done upgrade, downgrade on Baltimore Cincy? You know, this, I don't understand this because I've, I, Balt, I got Baltimore right where they were to start the I year. I agree. And Cincy, you know, I've got them equal. Now, ah, I, I think, I think it's wrong. Yeah. I, th- I, I think I got to downgrade them a half because you know what? That, that I'm, I keep thinking that old line is going to start to gel. <laughs> it hasn't but happened that's yet. Your job, your job with your power rating, correct me if I'm wrong, is to tell us what's happened, not to tell us what's going to happen. Ooh, I, I'm, I disagree. My job is to tell you what's going to happen this week, not no, this is, year. But I don't think the pa- I don't think the power rating does yeah, that. But, they, but but no, it's going to happen this week, as of this very but moment. In I time. don't think that. Should, but but how can you know about them? I guess well, that's, that's why I like the offsets, right? Yeah. Is if you say this is what's happened. And now I've got a column that says this is what I think yes. is going to evolve. And then it keeps cleaning your yes, head. Because, because I'm thinking th- this is my week five rate. This is how good I think this team's going to be, not last Sunday, but this coming Sunday. So I am making that adjustment. Maybe, you know. I think it's an offset, right? Yeah, it's an offset. But let's say for the sake of argument, you said a, a point downgrade for Cincy. Sure. And let's say you said, a, and I'm not saying you should, but let's say you did. And let's say Baltimore got a point upgrade. I, you're still only at two points. They've moved this thing like four points. Yes. So I'm kind of trying to figure out what they're thinking. The only thing I can think is Baltimore has looked real. If you look at their win chart, right, their percentage throughout the game, they they have as much blue on this chart, and which means they were winning as any team. Mm. And you could make the case that it was a you know a fifty to one shot or whatever against Miami, and it was they had a clear control of Buffalo that this team could be undefeated, and Lamar could be the favorite for the MVP. And they just could have beaten the team that was the massive favorite to win. So so maybe we got to reconsider Baltimore. 
I mean, they might be like a two-point upgrade. It's a good point. But, right? but they'd have to be to justify this That's line. And, and it's a bad spot also since he got to play Thursday. So since he's got the rest advantage. And plus, remember, we can look at it two different ways. Since he killed Baltimore twice last year, you could say Baltimore has revenge, or you could say since he's got, he's got the confidence. matchup edge. Yeah. yeah. But remember, the big reason, and we'll talk about this Wednesday, the big reason that Baltimore did poorly against Cincy, they were blitzing like crazy. Well, Wink Martindale's gone, mm. and and now the guy doesn't blitz as much that was at Michigan. P- Burrow loves to get blitzed. Yes. So maybe that that's going to be interesting. Mm. Maybe we look towards the under in this game because because I think it's going to be a situation where um, last year's not going to be as telling, and if they're not blitzing, Burrow's going to have to take what he can get, longer drives maybe. Boy, you know, this, this Baltimore, I can't figure them out total-wise because they have these long 90-yard drives. 48 chew is up, the total in they, this game. They chew up clock, high total, and yet um, Baltimore's had some really high-scoring games. Okay, so now what's happened since, and as we said, initially this line was going, uh, uh, Baltimore went up to three and a half, but as we kind of have spoken towards, it's gone down since. So now solid three that you're I'm seeing? I'm seeing 3.2 as of a couple hours ago. What are you, Mackenzie, what are we seeing? Maybe, you know, Circa. What's Circa got? Bookmaker? Minus three, minus 120 consensus. Okay, so it's halfway between three and a half and three. Mm-hmm. It feels like it was. it's too much adjustment. It feels like the hook is valuable with Cincinnati. It yeah. feels like this is a game that um, – you know, at, at three, you know, if three feels right to me, I think three and a half is solid value. It might even be, I mean, it might be, it should be 2.9. But maybe, yes. but, but I think the market's telling us Baltimore's better than we think. And you know what? We can buck that sometimes, but we better have a good reason to. I'm not sure it stands, our reason staying up to scrutiny, I don't think. And Baltimore, you know, if you look at the recent opponents, it's like they had that the game against Miami, mm-hmm. then New England they play, you know, Uh which on the, the road, on the road, and they, you know the name of New England, and then Buffalo. Well, it's more than a name. This is a team that's an average team at home. After you just had a tough game against Miami, so I mean that's a, a tough so, spot. So, and then the best team in the NFL, Buffalo. I mean, this is a bad spot. You're stacking game after game after game against primo opponents, and now you're playing a team, Cincinnati, that's got had ten days off. Next up, Kansas City hosting the Raiders. Okay, Summerline was six. Raiders obviously have disappointed. Kansas City, I think after the Tampa, I'd say compared to summer expectations about flat, maybe up a little maybe bit. Maybe up a little. Little. Okay, six and a half was the look ahead open. Now, to me, that seems short from the summer line, as in if you consider KC up a little and Raiders down a good bit, half a point towards KC is not enough, I don't think. Well, it went to seven, the look ahead. So the market agreed. Sharps grabbed Kansas City last week, laid the six and a half, yes. World opener comes in, it's seven, but there's a few places with extra vig on the seven, so we call it 7.1. What did you see uh, Sunday evening, and what do you see happening? Yeah, so I see the line moving to seven and a half in some spots. I got to tell you, directionally, I agree with money coming in on Kansas City. I don't think it's enough. Given that the line was seven on the look ahead at the closer, what's happened with the Raiders, you know what? Yeah, they beat Denver, but that Kansas City win against Tampa Bay was much, much more impressive versus expectations. Given that, if you could make the case for this line being seven last week, I think you got to bump it a point. Now, it's a key number of seven, but clearly you got to get well north of seven into seven, half, and eight. So do you see that? Is this a line move prediction? It is. If you like Kansas City, I would lay seven right now. And also, this is the rare case. We don't tease seven-point favorites. Remember, we like to tease seven and a half, eights, and eight and halves. 
but it's fine to tease a seven if you know it's going to go but hold up on. higher. Well, but hold on. You don't know anything, right? You you think I, I'll, you give me any line move and you let me get ten to one on it. Fair Would enough. Would you let me have any at that bet? No, no. All right. So I mean, I think your line moves. If you said your very best one of the week. I think you're going to be upwards of 80, 82, 85%. Mm-hmm. Your fourth or fifth line move, I think, is moving towards 65%. Yes. So, you know, it's in that range. You know, this is one of the ones you like best, but why not wait to see it if it goes up to 7.5, right? Because at that point, there's no disadvantage to then teasing it then. Because I'd much rather tease it to minus one than minus one and a half. That's the disadvantage. I oh. lose the win. I lose the win. Well, if you they would win. much rather. That's the least valuable number there is, right? One, 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 not on trivial. a teaser. And any game you're going to tease, it's going to be the least valuable number. Yeah, I think a seven point fair. Well, it's not. What's more valuable? Two, or then we know three is more valuable, right? I mean, it's. You're right. You're right. I mean, I, I guess what I'm saying. I is, just I, I'm confident it's going to seven and a half. I want to lock in the minus seven to minus one right now. Okay, that's fine, but understand that what the trade-off is is the chance it doesn't go to seven and a half versus the chance it falls one. So I don't know. That's an interesting yeah, question, right? That's a now that's because I think, it, I think I, it's much more likely it goes up to seven and a half than it, than the game the finals. Uh, uh, well, no, no. Here's the question, though. No. The question is, what's the odds it doesn't go to yes. seven and a half? Which even by your own admission is fifteen percent, mm-hmm. right? There's no fifteen percent chance it's falling one. No. So, but that might not be right either because all you're losing. Uh, let's think about how we would, because I think those numbers are right, but I don't think the consequence, if it falls one, you lose the whole bet, or I guess it's a push on a. Yeah. You know. So I guess let's just say this. It felt like you were blending two things at once. You were talking about the idea that sometimes I thought where you were going is if it's seven minus 20, but they don't move it. That it's just that you're willing to bet it now. That that's a great point. And you, you're the yeah. one that's taught me this. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah. Because, it. So if if half the screen is at minus seven and a half, and half the screen's minus seven, lay a dollar twenty two. Who mm-hmm. cares? They're the well, same. A dollar twenty, not twenty two. Well, I made twenty two. Yeah. But it's usually minus, it's going to be twenty. Yes. Usually it would be minus twenty. So those are essentially the same line, but they're not the same when you tease because the the bookmaker doesn't care about the minus one twenty on the minus seven when you tease. He just gives you the odds on what it would be if it was minus seven, lay a dollar ten. So the theory is you're getting one in that case, even though the market is saying it's seven and a half. Yes. All right. Now just, one one thing about this game, I'll, I'll go ahead. Go no, you go. Ahead. Um, normally, a Monday night favorite, I'm like even more confident that's going to inflate. The public's going to bet the big favorite, and it's going to go higher. But since this is a Vegas game, Vegas games are a little strange here with our books here. What in have Vegas. you seen? Because I would say Vegas is a very mercenary town. I don't think they're betting their home team. But what do you? What have you seen in the market? When Vegas is doing well, everyone bets on Vegas, mm-hmm. and when Be- Vegas is doing poorly, the markets bail on Las Vegas. Okay, so what are they doing now? I don't know. Because I thought that, winning streak. I, I think that line, uh, that three was strange last. It seemed inflated. I mean, we both like Denver. Um, the game went funny. I don't think we were on the wrong side. I don't think it was right. I think, but wouldn't you say that the, the market thinking that effectively the Raiders were better than Denver? That didn't make a lot it of did, sense. It did. didn't make any sense to me. And I bet Denver and I lost. Yeah. yeah. Well, listen, you only got to win one out of twenty extra games. Hmm. Um, so what we're saying here is. Yeah, this was another situation. It's interesting. Circa or Bet Online, they do a lot of early. I think they're taking five thousand. They're doing a lot of early action. They were sitting at six and a half when everyone else in the world was seven. 
And then they took a bet, boom, went right down to seven. It's now uh, bet Chris is up to seven and a half. What's the current, what are you seeing, McKenzie, in the current market? There's some flat sevens out there. Seven minus 115 is more common. Okay, but not a lot of seven and a halves. Only one that I see. And that's bet Chris? No, I'm, no, they're, they're down to minus seven, minus 20. I see one at Bavada. Uh, well, that's not worth talking about. I mean, it's just the limits aren't high enough. Okay, anything else on that that's, game? That's it. Next game, we got the 49ers, who won tonight, and convincingly, borderline must win, at Carolina, a team everyone's fleeing. I mean, fleeing. 49ers are, they. let's look at the, um, summer was two and a half. Look ahead open last week at three. Went to three and a half before the close. And then the world opener, even though it was a Monday game, they opened it yesterday, four and a half. So literally from three last Tuesday, so like in six days, or no, actually five days, with only no games played for San Fran, but one for Carolina, it went from three to four and a half, and that was the world opener. What's it done since? We don't know yet because the game just ended. Well, what we know is it went to five. On Monday morning, even before the oh, game. Oh, I was talking about, like, oh, what yeah, has it done? Like, but the you last... were just saying you knew for sure it was going to seven and a half. I thought yeah. you could see the future, Fez. <laughs> but it did, go, it did go to five. And now, listen, they were impressive tonight. I didn't get a chance to look at the, the stats yet. Any other thoughts on this one? Because you haven't said anything yet. Yeah, so <laughs> the 49ers did get a pick six, which obviously inflated the final score tonight. But still, you got to upgrade. I would think this line's going to reopen up at six. When it opens up late, uh, you know, first thing and tomorrow is that morning. What you, so sometimes you're predicting what's going to happen. Sometimes you think what should happen. Is this what you think is going to happen, or what should happen, or both? This is what I think will happen. I right, haven't do done all my. Okay. I haven't done all my homework with the box scores on the on the game, so I don't want to commit to where I think it should. Baker be. Mayfield looks like crap. I oh. think people, I think people are starting to. You can say that. You can't say the Steelers, but if <laughs> like that. But I, I think you're going to see a lot of lost support in the market. Exactly, the crowd has turned, and on I think Baker. the betting crowd has in a way. Yes. All right. Next game. Last game. Typically on these Monday games, we won't do much. And Fez, you're planning on being SOV, but this one was so interesting. SOV AM. This was so interesting. This is the Cowboys and the Rams. Now, let's talk about the look-ahead. There was disagreement in the look-ahead market. Westgate, who does well in Vegas with their look-ahead, had six and a half the Rams favored. Bet online was at six. Usually those lines aren't, uh, you know, there's not a dis- discrepancy, typically. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, come Sunday night, everyone opens up in that six range. Now, who is, who's the blue one again? Is that Circa? Who's blue? Bet online. Bet online. So bet online again though was at five and a half. So everyone kind of moved to Dallas. Dallas looked good against Washington. Looks so good. make make up half point, or three quarters of a point adjustment to five and a half. Okay. So now what happens though is bet online is at five and a half. The rest of the world at open. The world open was at six, including Westgate. Mm-hmm. Then there's a very fairly flat, actually very little action. Sunday night. So literally, the rest of Sunday night, there was nothing. Markets are asleep. No one's been. But I'm talking about from the open till like 10 p.m. when there's action on Sunday night. No, no action. No one's betting it. Mm-hmm. Right? So bet on lines at five and a half. The rest of the world's pretty much at six. Westgate included. Now, we said this before. Monday morning, there's sometimes it's when the real action hits because now everyone's opened. Vegas, Caesars, you know, that kind of stuff. 
And in this game, everyone opened, and almost immediately, everyone bet Dallas with both. Give both me fits. the underdog. Dallas, Dallas, Dallas. Plus six. It went from six to four and a half almost in a blink once, of an eye. right? Yeah. Do, do, do. All right. Go to the bathroom, come back, it's four and a half. That's big syndicate steam. Yes. Now, what's fascinating is not long after, about six hours, about noon, Westgate said, you know what? We're going to five and a half. No other market moved. No other book that we've tracked in this way moved. And once again, they're going high on the Rams. So what we can say here is there was a massive syndicate move on Dallas Monday morning. And Westgate, a very sharp NFL book, thinks it's wrong. And they want they want Dallas money because they're putting five and a half up when everyone else is at four and a half. Thoughts? And that's consistent with last week when they, on the look exactly. at they, they had six a and a half. They, they, they're like, we're going a half point higher. All the Dallas money you want. And what I think what we talk about Cooper Rush, I think this is really the Westgate is saying Cooper Rush is, we don't believe it. It's too small a sample. We're not buying in on Cooper Rush. That would be my theory. That's interesting. Now, this is all before the Rams looked horrible on Monday Night Football. Would affect what we have? Stay tuned. That's all we can say, right, Fez? Good stuff for you early in the week, guys. Keep the feedback coming. We are never going to ask for money unless you piss me up. No, we're not going to ask for money, but we want you to show you love us, spread the word, tell your friends, and all that. Straight out of Vegas AM has Fez, and and I might pop in for five minutes. We'll see. Probably not. I'm going to be maybe on the next show. And then, so, no, we got the college football pod coming up with the boys. They did good again in the contest, Fez. And then, oh, is that right? Yeah, I think six and two. Six and two, baby. Yeah, that's right. And I'm in that contest also. Oh, damn. And then on Wednesday, we tape, release Thursday, the pick show, Dream Preview. Stay tuned is all I can say. Talk to you soon. Hey.